Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 48. So last week I said that this week was going to be my one-year anniversary, but I misspoke. I looked and it's actually April 20th, which will be next week's episode, will be my one-year anniversary of starting the Chronically Courageous podcast. And another thing that I mentioned was that I'm going to do my best to put together a compilation episode, kind of celebrating and looking back at the year and all of the amazing tidbits of information and learning that came out of that year and, you know, just all the involvement of it all. So here's the thing, though. It is, as I was thinking about that this week, I realized that's going to take a little bit of time. So I've been in energy conservation mode recently. So whether or not I actually put out that compilation, I can't promise. Let's see how I do this week and how much energy I have to spare, but I will promise you this. I will continue to show up for you for the foreseeable future on this podcast because I have heard that it's helping people and knowing that I'm helping you is helping me and it holds me accountable. It gives me purpose and it's helping me on my healing journey and I really want us to all heal together. So you can continue to tune in and hear from me for sure. And you know, Let me know what you'd like to hear about. Uh, Send me a DM on Instagram under the Chronically Courageous, or if you're one of my Facebook friends, send me a message there, or email me at Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I, at thechronicallycourageous.com, and let me know what topics you're interested in hearing about. This podcast is for you guys, so I want it to be catered to what's going to be most useful and most helpful to you. And speaking of that, this week, I am going to go ahead and do a little Q&A from some of my listeners, some of the questions that were posed to me, and I'm going to go ahead and do my best to answer those for you all. So here we go. The first question is from Ashley, and Ashley says, what is the best way to advocate for oneself? So, gosh, this is uh, this is something that I had to kind of learn the hard way, but I went like so many of us in this community, I went over 40 years with no diagnosis and just being told it was all in my head. And that can be pretty tough to swallow. So learning to advocate for ourselves is so, so important. And it's something that I've only recently learned how to do. But one thing I will say is listen to your intuition. If you feel like something is wrong and you are experiencing things going on with your body that don't seem normal or natural, 
listen to your body, listen to your intuition, do your own research and continue to pester the heck out of doctors and whoever you need to, to figure out what's going on. Because I, I don't like to continue to dote on the illness. That's one thing I've learned is I don't want to continue to perpetuate it. I don't want to continue to constantly talk about it and belabor it. But I will say that finding out what was wrong was kind of the first step in my healing. Because I think that until you just have that recognition that yes, something in fact has been wrong all of my life and there's something real going on here, it's not all in my head, then I think that's a a great place to start. So do your own research and hire the right medical team. You know, just because somebody has a medical degree does not make them a good doctor. So a good doctor, in my opinion, is someone that is willing to listen to you and no matter what the healing protocol is, whether it's something that they learn and practice or something that you discover on your own, if it's helping you, I believe that a good doctor will be supportive of that. I, To me, a good doctor is someone that is open-minded, open to new solutions, open to admitting that they don't know everything because, you know... I've I've been able to inform my doctors about certain solutions and things and you know because I've gone to the trouble of really hiring a team of professionals that are very much open to all sorts of different ways of approaching this I think that you know that's that's really been helpful so hiring the right medical team is essential and you have the right as a patient if you have a doctor that you don't feel is listening to you and you don't feel is, you know, really trying to put your best interests first, then go ahead and look for another doctor. That's your right as the patient. No one says that you need to stick with that one doctor. Also, it's really important, I think, to connect with people who are supportive, whether that be in an online support group. There are so many online support groups out there pretty much for everything. If you go on Facebook, you can uh, search whatever your issue is, and you will find a support group for it. Now, I will say that with a caveat. It's very easy to, if you're in these support groups, get a little bit too wrapped up in them, and then all you're doing is you know, talking about all your illness and going back and forth and sharing stories, you know, sharing kind of horror stories, and that, I think, can perpetuate more illness. But when you're kind of in that discovery phase, it can be very, very helpful to talk to other people and find out what they've been through and what solutions they've found. And that that's just a really great place to start and just have ears of people that will understand what you're going through. <clears throat> and then finally, I would say insist on having the necessary testing done. I mean, you know, I talk about this a lot, but it's kind of one of those situations where had I not stuck to it, I, I really don't know, you know, if I'd be completely paralyzed today because I went to the hospital with you know, a severe pain and I got sent home with some very light pain meds. And the next day I went back and they were still kind of insisting that nothing major was wrong. And, you know, I was letting them know in every way I possibly could that something was very much wrong. And until they agreed to do the proper testing and did an MRI, they did not find that my, you know, my spine was being compressed and that I had two discs that were completely eroded bone on bone and that I was in danger of becoming quadriplegic. So 
speak up for yourself and and make sure that you do get thorough and proper testing to figure out what's going on with you. You're worth it. No one can tell you what you are or are not feeling. So just be persistent, okay? That's my advice on that, Ashley. The second question today comes from Yvette. And I love this question so much. And it's, gosh, there's so many answers and you know, but I'm going to give you kind of my top three. But Yvette asks, what do you think are the top three lifestyle changes a person should implement when trying to heal or dealing with chronic illness? And my number one on this is sleep, 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 sleep. So important. And I talk about this a lot, but I do not get out of bed until I've had minimum of eight hours of sleep unless there are exceptions. I have an appointment or something to get to, in which case I try to go to sleep a lot earlier at night to make sure I get a minimum of eight hours. But every night I shoot for eight to nine hours of sleep. And, you know, it, this is so, so important because sleep is the time when our body repairs itself. It's the time when we heal. And if we're not giving our body that chance to heal, we're going to wind up more foggy. We're going to wind up more anxious and achy and you know, there were times when I wasn't sleeping enough and I would literally be walking into walls. I just really was not able to function on any level. And on those rare nights where I don't have an opportunity to get enough sleep, I see a profound difference. So, you know, you need to have that mental clarity in order to be able to focus on your healing and have, you know, the the calm and the presence to be able to focus on wellness and it's just really important to give your body that time to heal. And I can do an entire episode on sleep. I have a pretty rigorous sleep routine. So I may at some point do a whole episode just on tips for, for great sleep and why it's so important. But that would be my number one lifestyle change. Number two is reduce stress. Oh my gosh, I cannot tell you how important this is. And The thing is, when we're stressed out, it puts our body in a state of fight or flight, and that just causes more illness and prevents us from healing. We cannot heal if we're in that state. You know, fight or flight is meant for, you know, from a primal perspective, if a lion is chasing you, your body goes into fight or flight, nothing else matters, you're not thinking about resting, you're not thinking about digesting, you're not thinking about healing, all you're thinking is, how the hell do I get out of here really quickly and not get eaten by this tiger? And so many times in chronic illness, we get caught in a constant state of fight or flight. And that does not give our bodies the opportunity to heal. It actually does quite the opposite. It just perpetuates the the cycle of illness. So it's so, so important that we reduce stress. And, you know, this can be in the form of Who do we surround ourselves by? This is really important. Are we surrounding ourselves with people that stress us out? Or are we surrounding ourselves with people that uplift us and support us and bring calm into our lives? Really important. Likewise, uh, content. You know, there's so much crazy content out there. And I actually took a big step this week. I'll share with you. I had one of the news apps, I'm not going to share which one because I don't want to play sides, but I had one of the major news apps on my phone and every, you know, couple of hours, I think I'd get three or four news alerts from it. And lately, I've just been really trying to not 
pay attention to that stuff because I know how it affects me and it affects my health. So I would just kind of swipe and get rid of it. But, you know, every once in a while, one would catch my eye and I would be tempted to dive into it and see what's going on. And, oh, my gosh, is the world blowing up? But I made a big step this week and I said, nope, I am going to just delete this app from my phone. If something really major is happening, I'm pretty sure my friends and family will let me know. Um, I'm not telling you to be ignorant to everything going on in the world. I'm just telling you. If you want to protect your health, limit your exposure to that kind of stuff. And it doesn't just go for news. It goes for TV shows. That's another thing that I've recently changed. I used to love watching all those medical dramas at night right before I went to bed. And guess what I would dream about? Sick people and hospitals. And, you know, that's that's exactly what we're trying not to think about. Because when we think about those things, when we focus on them, we're just perpetuating them. So... Now I've switched my nighttime routine where I watch much more uplifting content, much, you know, different content, content that's dramatic enough to keep me interested, but not so dramatic that it's going to make me have nightmares. So that's really important, the content that you absorb. And, you know, and then the other thing is just saying no. I would say, you know, that's that can be a big stress reliever. Sometimes we feel so obligated to do all these different things and be everything to everybody and say yes to every every opportunity that comes our way and every offer to go out or be with friends or whatever it is. And saying no can just be a huge stress reliever because, you know, we only have so much energy. We really need to preserve that energy and use it to focus on in this case, our healing or the things that are going to make you feel better. Um, Also, stress reduction techniques that I use are meditation, journaling, and just taking time to just be. I mean, I go out in nature every single day. That's a huge stress reliever for me. I think sometimes just that change in environment, not sitting in your home and being around all the things that you have to do and just really getting yourself out of that and putting yourself in a place where all you have to do is just be and just give yourself that gift of time. You know, go to the park, lay under a tree for a little bit, take your shoes off, let the, you know, let yourself feel the earth under your feet. It's just, it's so healing. And there are days when, you know, I'm tired and I don't necessarily feel like going for a walk, but I force myself to do it anyway. And every single time I do, I feel better both physically and emotionally. There's something extremely healing about nature. I know I sound like a broken record. I say this all the time, but only because it's true and I want to reinforce because if you're not already doing it, it has been one of the biggest gifts I've been able to give myself. And the third lifestyle tip of that is I would say I now focus a lot more on wellness than I do on illness. My entire existence used to be wrapped up in, okay, what doctor appointment am I going to? And let's look up all my symptoms in Google. And let's, you know, be on all the forums exchanging horror stories. And, you know, it was just, you know, constantly talking about what's wrong and now it's the opposite. It's about how grateful I am for all the things that are going right in my life and you know, visualizing where I want to be because I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm extremely grateful for how far I've come. And part of that has been you know, through visualizing where I want to be, just closing my eyes and thinking to myself, what would it be like? What would it feel like? What would it taste like, smell like? 
you know, what would my mind be like if I was in the most vibrant state of health? And really just doing that repeatedly because your mind does not know the difference between the imagined and the real, and it has the same effects on your body. So if you do that continuously day after day, it will have a profound impact on you. The other thing I recently learned about, and I just went ahead and bought myself a physical journal because I want to start doing something called future journaling. And future journaling is where you are essentially writing as though things have already happened, but these are things that you want to see happen in the future. So like, for instance, I had such an amazing day hiking eight miles, going up that mountain and feeling completely free and healthy and full of energy and completely pain-free and just, yeah. So just, you get the idea. So just really writing down those things that you want to feel and writing them as though they've already happened. Because again, you're kind of like, tricking your mind into believing this has already happened. And when you start to think about those things and surround yourself in that energy, you're going to be really surprised at how much better you actually feel versus doing the opposite and kind of drowning out, drowning in that misery. And I, I know it's hard, guys. I know it. I'm, I've been there. There are days when I'm still there. But I will tell you just really whatever you can do, even if it's, you know, a few minutes of your day, just get started somewhere, you know, take five minutes to just to journal or take five minutes to visualize and just do small baby steps until you get further down the line. Uh, let's see. So the other thing I would say is as far as focusing more on wellness than illness, do things that you love, do things that you lose track of time and you just make, it just makes you happy and you're not thinking about, you know, feeling pain or feeling illness and, Whenever you can do those things, try to find those things that just take your mind off of it and immerse yourself in those things. So those are my lifestyle tips. Uh, so th just to recap there, number one, sleep. Number two, reduce stress. And number three, focus more on the wellness than the illness. So let's go on to the next listener's question. This next question is from Vera Lee. And Vera Lee asks, how do you handle people who respond with but you look fine. Haven't we all heard this? My gosh, a million times. Uh, you don't look sick is another one. And I get that all the time. As a matter of fact, I went to a doctor's appointment just today. I've had a couple of things pop up and I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm staying on top of things. I am not immersing myself in it. It's, you know, I, I do it while I'm there and I do what I need to do. But I'm trying to, again, still stay focused on the wellness without disregarding the fact that certain things need to be addressed. I'm not telling you to, you know, go so far to the extreme that you're ignoring urgent matters. So I went into this doctor's office and I was telling her I had a hip replacement in December of 2019. In the past couple of months, it doesn't quite feel right. And she said, oh, you're too young to have a hip replacement. And, you know, that's another way of saying, no, you don't, you know, you don't look sick. You look fine. And I get this all the time, all of the time. If I had a dollar for every time I was told this, oh my gosh, I would be a millionaire. So anyway, maybe not quite a millionaire, but you know what I mean. So I would say this is a really good opportunity to educate people. So 
what I do is I will tell them, yes, I know, I, I look pretty healthy, right? And I won't disagree with them. I won't get all worked up. There was a time when I would get really frustrated and feel denied. But I think, you know, again, if we just look at it as an opportunity to educate people and, you know, oh, I have this connective tissue disorder. I have its genetics. So I've had it since birth. And, you know, I have, you know, I have a pacemaker, I have a hip replacement, I've had spinal surgery, I've had surgery in my ears four times, and, you know, a laundry list of other things. But, you know, I I know I look fine, but there's there's definitely things going on beneath the surface that you're not able to see. So, you know, stand, stand up for yourself and let them know, you know, yes, I look fine. But you know, here's here's how things really are. And just take that opportunity to educate them, let them know about, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're dealing with. And maybe next time they'll think more about saying that to somebody, you know, and let them know things aren't always as they seem on the surface. I may look fine, but, you know, this is the, the stuff I've gone through. And when you substantiate it with, you know, the, the actual diagnoses and the surgeries and stuff, it gives a little bit more clout. And I think people are a little bit more like they'll stand up and say, oh, okay, so I guess maybe, you know. Not everything is is uh, something I can see on the surface. So that's my advice there. And let's see here. Our final question comes from Kristen. And Kristen asks, how do you get your traditional or Western physician to work with your non-Western practitioners or modalities like Reiki, eating gluten-free, eating dairy-free, all these you know naturopathic kind of things that we do? Or she asks, are there any tips on how to find a physician that is more open to these modalities? So my answer to that, Kristen, is, you know, I didn't always, well, first of all, I didn't always practice the Eastern philosophies and the more homeopathic, you know, natural, energetic philosophies. So at first, I was not specifically looking for people that were willing to open their minds to that. But now that I am very much involved in that space... I will very, you know, I will very openly, including my visit today, talk to doctors about that and explain to them the the things that I'm doing and how it's helped. And I think it's, you know, it's really a matter of finding doctors that are willing to listen. And any doctor, I think I just said this, you know, 10 minutes ago in this episode, but I'll say it again because it's important. Any doctor that really is truly wanting to help you to heal will be open to hearing ideas that are beyond their expertise. So that is something that I've searched for. When I when I go to a new specialist and I have a handful of them that I work with, I will kind of feel them out and see, you know, what they're, you know, do they, are they one of those people that likes to believe they have the answers to everything and it's their way or the highway? And if that's the case, then that will probably be the last time they see me walk through their doors. So I've really done a kind of thorough job of investigating my different practitioners that I work with, seeing that they're open to all different kinds of modalities. As a matter of fact, um, about three or four years ago, I was exploring using medical cannabis. And that was kind of a big decision for me because I'm actually, I'm in recovery for alcoholism and I'd been clean and sober for so many years, and it was like a big deal for me to even contemplate using that. But, you know, I had heard so much about it, and I, you know, I spoke to my neurologist and my electrophysiologist and my general practitioner about 
about the possibility of it. Not one of them said it was a bad idea. They all thought it was a great idea for pain management, for sleep, for gut issues. And it has been. It's been a really great idea. So again, I mean, it's it's really about finding those doctors that are open-minded, open to solutions outside of their scope. And if they are not, then perhaps they are not the right doctor for you. And the other thing is, if you have access to any you know scientific data or case studies or your own examples of how these things have helped you, take the opportunity to educate them. I mean, doctors don't necessarily know everything, so they can learn from us just like we can learn from them and take the opportunity to educate them and teach them about how these things can be helpful. And you never know, your sharing of information may help them to share information with a future patient. So you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping other people that may be in your same situation. So those are the questions that I had for this week that about wraps it up. And this is episode 48. Next week, episode 49 will be my one year anniversary. So that's going to be a little bit of a celebration. Oh my gosh, it's so hard to believe. I'll tell you, it's been an interesting journey because there have been some weeks where I'm just like, oh, I don't have the energy to do this. I, you know, And admittedly, lately, I haven't had any guests on because I just haven't had the energy to like recruit guests, but that's going to change. I actually have some really exciting new modalities that I'm exploring, and I'm going to get some specialists on to talk to you guys about those. And I'm also going to share with you as I'm going through my experiences and how it's uh, helping me. I know some people that have been helped tremendously by a couple of the different protocols and modalities that I'll be exploring. So I'm very excited about kind of taking my my healing to the next level and sharing it with all of you. And as I make these decisions in my life to embark on these journeys, you know, I always do it with you in mind because that just gives me further motivation because I know that if it works for me and I can share it with you, well, then I'm living my purpose. So With that, I love you so much. I really appreciate you showing up every week. Please share the podcast with others. Please rate and review. I would really appreciate it on Apple Podcasts because that will help other people find the show. And um, yeah, keep sharing the love, sharing the healing, and I will speak to you next week. Bye-bye. It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of The Chronically Courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at thechronicallycourageous.com. That's B-O-N-N-I at thechronicallycourageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.